so Matthew 4, 19. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What an amazing statement by Jesus to, to just normal, everyday people. You know, I, I was thinking about it this week. What condition were John, James, Peter, Andrew, Thomas, you know, Judas, what condition were their hearts in when Jesus called them? You wonder, were they ready to step into a full-time ministry role of following the Son of God, the man on a mission to defeat sin, hell, and the grave? Like, was, were these guys ready for the next three years of their life? Did they have any idea what was about to come into their life? They're fishing one day with their dad. And this guy walks up and says, come with me. It's, it's astounding to me to, to think that these guys probably weren't ready for anything. They were just fishing. They were running the business. Matthew was a tax collector. He was probably very crooked. You know, that's not uncommon to have been skimming off the top. And putting something in his side. Like, he was probably not in the best place. But when Jesus looked at him, he didn't see that guy who skimmed something off the top. He looked at him and thought, that guy's going to write about me. And the entire world is going to hear his account of my actions on the earth. The way he keeps his taxes, I see the way he is. That man is going to tell the world about me. What an amazing thought to call someone after him in, in that way that, to see that, or, or you know, I, I think of them fishing, you know, every day fishing and catching something, fishing, catching something. They must have been thinking in their mind, there's got to be something more to life than this. You know, have you ever felt like you're in the, in kind of like this little circle in the rat race where you're just doing life and you're going through the motions and you're like, man, there's got to be more to life than what I'm doing. I can imagine them catching a fish and it was a big catch that day and another catch another day. And I think, you know, this no longer satisfies. And then a man says, come follow me. And somehow they, they just drop their nets. The Bible says immediately they follow him. I, I, I wonder what, what was it inside of Jesus' voice for them to respond like that? In, in a moment, not knowing somebody, but seeing a, a stranger, really, that says, come, come after me and follow him. Hebrews 3.15 says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. They, when they heard this sound of the voice of Jesus, it had to be something in their spirit that said, this is important. <laughs> to leave the family business, to leave everything, to leave the legacy of their family. You know, when you're, when you're a son of a fisherman, you're a fisherman. You're a son of an electrician, you become an electrician. You, you, it, it was something that was in the family. You know, and they are basically saying, Dad, we're not going to carry on your business. That can be a tough thing for a parent. That can be a tough thing for a dad to, to be looking to hand, someone, to hand your stuff off to, and they're not there. So that was kind of a heartbreaking moment. It, it almost, you gotta, you got to wonder how they dealt with that internally, because by saying yes to Jesus, they were saying no to their father. A lot of times, our closest relationships are what stand between us and following Jesus. The people that we are most connected to here, they are the ones who actually stop you from following the Lord. 
Not by them saying, don't follow Jesus, but their position in your heart. You know, it, it was following Jesus that was the call for James and John. But in doing that, their, their father had to be put in a different place in, in their heart. Do you remember the story where, where Jesus was, was ministering to people and Mary was standing on the outside and the Bible says she was knocking? And they came to him and they said, hey, your mom's outside. She wants to talk to you. And he's like, who are my mother? Who are my brothers? Who are my sisters? He, he had switched gears. He had stepped into his mission. He had stepped into his, into his assignment in the earth. It was no longer the first 30 years of his life. It was in those last three years. And he was stepping into his call and his mission in the earth. And it's, when you step into God's mission, it takes what's in your heart and puts it into alignment. It puts it into perspective. And I think that that is what I, I, was, I was praying this week. And I was singing, Lord, Lord, what are we talking about this week? What are you saying? <coughs> this is really what I feel. It is taking our relationships. It is taking our work. It is taking our responsibilities. It is taking everything that we're involved with in life. And bringing it into alignment. Of bringing it into proper perspective. That God is up here. And these things fall under that umbrella. Someone was asking me this week, um, yesterday on the phone, I got a phone call, and um, a friend of mine was asking, Adrian, you are, you're running, you and your wife, you're running a business, you're, you've got a, your own job, you're working in, in, with the church in El Paso, and we've got actually a uh, missions group in, in Juarez as well, and we've got three kids, and you're doing 21 days of prayer fasting every day. And there's like, I don't understand. I don't get how you can, how you can do that. And uh, people uh, think we're really overwhelmed or that we're really burdened or something. And uh, that's not true. It's not true. I was laying in bed with Kayla last night. I said, Kayla, are you, do you feel tired? Like, do you feel like spent? Do you feel like, we're, are, we, are we overdoing it? And she just kind of sat up in bed and just said, no, I feel great. I said, yeah, me too. I feel really good. I just feel good. So you don't, are you sure you don't feel burning? Are we doing too much? We need to stop something? Is there something? No. I feel great. And the Lord was showing me, what is it? How can you give where you're, you are doing so many things? You're being so productive. It's when you build your entire life around God's presence. You build your entire life around His Word. How can we run a business, do a job, do a business space, a church, I do a mission-based church and raise three kids functionally. Y'all tell me how he's doing. <laughs> you know? Life around the presence. Everything revolves around the presence in our house. If we could share something from you that we could give you from our household to give you to your household, it would be live in the presence every day. When you wake up, going to the word. Jonathan will tell you, we, 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 we wave at each other, and me and Kent, we wake up, we kind of wave at each other, hi, and we're kind of mosey along like this into a, a back room, and I, I get along with Jesus, and I don't come out until I get like an hour in, you know. She does the same thing. She's got a spot on the couch. She lays out on the couch. She's got her Bible. She gets her coffee, and she wakes up, and she kind of moseys on until her coffee perks her up, and then she's out on the couch with her Bible. She's got a whole thing it's like it's, it's the way it is. And I got a spot that I do. But that's it. Living around the presence. 
everything, it's not, not our jobs, it's not our work, it's not, not this, not, not Mexico, not our goals that we're shooting for, not any of that. None of those things are up here. They are all fall in the context of, I am running after Jesus. And if I, don't, if I don't get a hold of him, the actual person of God, then this is nothing. This, this, the song, the dance, the whole, the whole thing, if, if we don't lay hold of God privately, then we have absolutely nothing. And we've become complete failures at everything. It is the one thing that you can't do without. It is the one thing that you have to throw everything, you have to buy, put all your eggs in that one basket. It's him, you know, a lot of times we, we want to diversify our interests, diversify our way we're doing life, and we think that way in terms of money, so I'll put my money in stocks, I'll put money in a 401k, I'll put money in, my, I've got my regular income, I've got my side income, you think of, you diversify, because you don't want, you, because of, of risk, right? You diversify, but you can't do that with God, everything goes into him, and from, in, from life in him, the, everything else flows, when Jesus said, come follow me, it took that relationship, the closest relationship he had, and he had to surrender it to Jesus. Surrendering your most intimate relationships, though your most loved ones. It was so funny, we were just talking about this, Lauren. Mm -hmm. Surrendering your most loved ones. Yeah. It's easy to surrender your least loved ones. Yeah, Lord, have them. <laughs> Bless them, Lord. But your most loved ones, a lot of times we, we have a sense of control. We want to, we want to manage that relationship. My mom uh, did it with me and my brothers. I'm one of four, four boys. I'm the third one. And uh, my mom, she says, I, I just told the Lord one day, they're yours. I, I can't do it. I, I want to I protect them. I want to provide for them. I want to make sure they're successful. I want to make sure they marry the right person. I want to make sure they don't do drugs. I want to make sure they're not being goofing off, you know? Like, I want to do these things. And eventually, you have four boys, and they're both growing, and we're all bigger than she is, and, and she just realizes, I can't do this any longer. If I continue to try to be Lord in their life, I'm going to run myself ragged, and I'm, I will lose my peace. And until you surrender your most private and most personal and your most deep relationships, anything that happens with that loved one, when they get shook, you will be shook. When they stumble, you will stumble. When life happens to them, life happens to you. We talked about this on Wednesday. If you haven't listened to that podcast, please go back and listen to it uh, on, on guarding your peace and the Lord being peace of our life and how no relationship, no other person outside of you has the ability to shake your, you and God. You and God be, can become completely unshakable. And then God can build on your life and he can add things. He can take away what he needs to because it's all surrendered to him. And he begins to build. Every problem... In life is dealt with in following Jesus. He has to become the center of our life. No problem is bigger than God. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Our kids, we, we teach our kids this stuff, right? I can do all things, right? I, it's an attitude. I can do anything with Jesus. But it's you and Jesus. Not you, Jesus, and the, your number two, your, your sidekick. It's you and Jesus. When it's you and Jesus, anything's possible. But it's an exclusive relationship. 
It's only him. Uh, the problem that's happened for a lot of us is that Jesus has become an addition to our life. And that is not what happened here when Jesus called the disciples. He didn't say, let me become a part of your life. He didn't say, let me join your boat. He said, leave your boat and come after me. He is not looking to improve our lives. He's looking to give us a completely new life. He's not looking to be an addition. He is looking to replace that life. You know, Addison, when she was little, we were, we were debating whether we were going to baptize her or not. And because she was so small, but we only had a limited time with her. She was kind of coming and going. But ah, we really like to wait until they're like 12 or so before we baptize people. And we, we didn't baptize her, but... She was telling us, she was only like four or five years old, so we didn't want to baptize her that young. She, uh, she was telling us, we said, Addison, why do you want to be baptized? You know, we really want it to be a, an important moment in our life. Why do you want to be baptized? And this is a girl whose parents were not good, and so she was in the foster system. Thea and John had taken her in, started to foster her, and now they've adopted her now. So, Addison, why do you want to be baptized? She said, because I want a new life. That's it. I thought that little four-year-old hit it right on the head. I want a new life. When Jesus said, come follow me, he said, I want you to have a new life. That's what it's like following Jesus. He wants you to have a new life. A complete change. It's only selling out. When we were in Mexico and, you know, we, we told the story earlier in the year about how we were preaching down at the cathedral in Juarez and uh, the clown, or we hijacked the radio station Juarez, and the, uh, the clown, the little street clown came up to us and after these people got healed and got touched or whatever, the clown comes up and he says, I've been serving Santa Muerte and I want to serve Jesus now. He says, okay, so we can do that. You know what he was doing? He was making a complete change. I want a new life. I've been serving this devil, and it's brought nothing but hell and destruction in my life. It's brought me nothing but torment and pain, and I'm ready to serve Jesus. He just said, okay. So we laid hands on him. God touched him there in the street. He was delivered. He was saved. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He went back and told his family. We went to his family house. The entire house got saved. The Almost all of them got filled with the Holy Spirit, and they all got water baptized. Before they got water baptized, we looked around the house full of idolatry, full of, you know, Marys and, and all the, like the Catholic idols, you know, like all around the house. And I told them, you can follow Jesus, but you cannot keep this stuff. You know, most people don't do that. They said, just come, yeah, let's, let's just pray a prayer of faith right now. Let's just have a confession of faith. And they keep their idols up. Jesus, come live in my heart. Be Lord of my life. I confess you as Lord. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus, you're the only way. You're the way, truth, and life. I want to follow you to know the Father. And they add Jesus among their other gods. But there is no other god like him. Those other gods are mute. They can't speak. They have, they have no ears. They can't hear. They have no hands that can't reach. Those gods have no voice. Behind every idol, there's always a spirit. This family was in deep torment. Behind an idol, there's an image. There's a spirit back here. So it's, a, it's always a deception. You look at that thing, oh, I'm going to worship that image, but there's someone pulling the strings back here. 
Oh, it's that image of memory. It's that image thing. I said, you can't keep that up. I said, if you want to follow Jesus, it's got to come down. And I left it there. You know, a lot of times we make it so easy to follow Jesus. But the truth is, if you, if you look at a scripture like this, drop your nets and follow me. That is not easy to do. That was a very hard thing to do. I, I, I would like to think that, oh yeah, sure, Jesus, I'll follow you. Leave my dad. No, they left their father. They left everything to follow him. And the reason why we don't value our faith or value our Christianity is because it's cost us nothing. We've got it so cheap. We got it with lights and smoke, smoke screens and no one called us down and challenged us to walk up front. When Victor's family was here, I said, if you want to come to know Jesus, the entire, their family comes and they stand right here because it need, they need to feel it in their heart. I'm not interested in just praying a prayer. I need you to feel this. And this guy's at their homes, we said, do you want to do this? And they said yes. And it took 30 minutes for seven grown men to carry out all of the idols in their house. That is a lot of idols. One after another. From here, that's got to go. Here, that's got to go. Yeah, we're going to make a video of it because we've got a lot of luck. Lot of, a lot of footage. It's really beautiful. Where's another one? It's got to go. And we hauled those things out. We, st- we, we put them outside. They decided we're going to follow Jesus. They made an exchange. It's selling out. A lot of times we go, you know, in, in my experience in, in church culture in the United States, is you teach a message on selling out to youth. <laughs> We tell the youth, you got to sell out to God. you got to put down whatever you're doing to follow God. And it's a youth message. But we never told the adults that you had to sell out to Jesus. They never heard it. They thought it was an additional thing. And it's not true. You can't follow God and keep your idols. You can't follow God and keep that thing. It's not true. It's a lie. And if you believe you can keep your idols, you are deceived. And you will, behind that idol is a spirit. And if you live your life following that spirit, and you think you're going to inherit eternal salvation, you're, you're greatly mistaken. Oh, I, I believe I, I have liberty in, in God. And I can, I can you know, uh, drink, drink, smoke, and chew, and run with those that do. That's the, that's the thing. <laughs> I can, I can do it. My, my conscience is clean. Listen, if your revelation of grace leads you to drugs and alcohol, you're deceived. Bull crap. No flipping way can your revelation of grace give you permission to stay where you're at. The revelation of, the, of grace, that cross, is that it paid the price for our sin. Not so that, just so we can be clean, but so that we can walk in victory day after day. After day, that we have no other gods, but we have Him. This is a reminder that it's Him. He's everything. He's everything over and over again. If He is our everything, if He's all of our life, if we've completely sold out to Him, that means He is now our closest friend. If our Father, that Zebedee in the book, was up here, that means we put Him now in the proper place. He's not up here. He's not. He doesn't govern my decisions. How do you know if He's an idol? He governs your decisions. If he says go, you go. If he says no, you don't. That's called an idol. If he says do this, you do it. If he says jump, you say how high. That's called an idol. They bring them down. 
Jesus selling out to God means Jesus becomes your closest friend by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God, the Father, He, he God, the Godhead, God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, He becomes your closest friend. You know what me and Kayla's marriage works? Even though we're both running nonstop? Because she's not my closest friend. And I'm not her closest friend. We love each other greatly. But it's, it's not her. I love her. The Lord handpicked her just for me. The Lord kept her alive. She wasn't supposed to live. When she was, when she was the doctors told her, told her mother to abort her because she was deformed in the womb. And the doctor said, abort Kayla, abort her, abort her, abort her. And she wouldn't have come into the world. But when she gave birth, that deformed image came out a perfect baby. Mm -hmm. I know God made her just for me, but she's not that one. It's the Lord. I can, when, I, when I married Kayla, and I remember when we were setting up our apartment in Central Texas, uh, we just got an apartment. Um, we, moved, we were living like in an attic. Our first house had no windows. You know, it was, it was a glorious house up top. It's basically a, a, an attic in a garage. And um, it's funny, the, the guy's attic that we were renting, it was like a, like a mansion of a house. So everyone thought that Kayla married some like really wealthy guy. I'm sorry, like living in an attic. So, um, but we, because uh, there was geese out there and Cody Mundy. But, um, he still has it too. Does he still have that animal out there? He had exotic animals. And, anyway. So, but we moved into this apartment and we were setting up and I hear Kayla singing songs of the church that I grew up in. I never knew she knew those songs when we were dating. I never knew she knew those songs when we're getting to know each other. We're just walking. I was just walking in, in the house. We were unpacking. She starts singing songs when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. I thought, how does she know those songs? And the Lord knew that it would touch my heart in a way that I could never have planned for myself. I had other girls that I dated in college, and I was like, Lord, listen, this, is, this is the one. Of course, this is the one. Look, this is perfect. You pray, you do all the stuff you do. And the Lord's like, no. The Lord knew exactly what was for me. And as precious as she is to me, she's not the one. He is the one. I believe that Lord didn't pick me for her. I'll let her tell her stories of what she thinks. <laughs> I could try. But I know that I'm not the one. And the Lord can build on that. But he's the one. When I'm away from her, I've got Jesus right here. He's the one. Selling out to God means Jesus becomes first place. First place in everything. And I'm telling you, it's those Zebedees in, in our life. They've got to be put in the proper place. If children are making your decision, it's an idol. I love my kids, but they don't govern the direction that we're going with God. I love every one of them. I love Audrey. I love Jimmy. I like Jonathan pretty good. <laughs> That's fair. I love John. But they don't govern the direction of my life. They can't. We highly value education. You know, if you look at our pocketbooks, you will see we highly value the kingdom and we highly value education. Those are like, it's just what we, it's what we think. That's what we, what's in our spirit. Everyone's different, but that's for us. We value 
that almost everything else comes under those two things. Like we, Jesus first, the kingdom, and tithes, offerings, and sowing into others' lives. And then it's education. So we run a business, we have our job, and we're homeschooling three kids. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's full time right there. I'm telling you, it's supernatural. And we're, we're happy. We're not mad and yelling at each other all the time. Oh, we do raise our voice once in a while, but it's not like, we're not like. <laughs> but it's not at each other, it's because y'all are upset that we're some from. governor in California did something. Yeah, we're usually upset with Gavin Newsom about something. Me too, me too. <laughs> <laughs> but, That's about it. what, and so I'm not boasting, I'm telling you that this is how it works. Put God first, and then God can build and put things in your life. And they just happen supernaturally. Kayla runs that. Somehow, Kayla works that job. So that business that she runs, I started it uh, about five years ago. I brought it to a certain place. And this past year, I handed it over to Kayla. Kayla's running it. And in probably two less days a week, she's taking it to, a, to another level. She's like, it's just... I'm like, what in the world? And she just took it off. She just took off with it. I'm like, huh, we should have done that a really long time ago. You know? That's supernatural. But you only can add on things when the Lord is in his proper place. If money was a God to us, there's no way he could add to us blessing because it, it, it builds an idol. If a certain person is a God to you, he can't add that to you. If it's a spouse, he can't bring it to you. you. It is opposing him. You're restraining him because it's an idol in your life. It's, if it's your, the well-being of our kids, you're opposing the blessing of the Lord because he, he values your heart more than your whatever you think of success is. So I'm not doing that until this gets right. God values our heart. We want to do our ministry. We want to do our life. We want to do our gift. We want to do our calling. God says, those things don't matter until, until I become first. He's, the Bible says he's a jealous God. He fights, he wants first place. When he has first place, he can add anything to your life. You know, Jonathan uh, Shelsworth, one of the ministers we listen to, is a hoot. But he, the one of the things the Lord told him, he says, when, when everything means nothing to you, I can give you everything. We, we left all of our, our home in Brownwood to go to Mexico and live with camping gear in Juarez. <laughs> You know what that is? It was a moment of leaving everything to follow him. It wasn't just that. It was leaving our, our life, our home. It was my parents, my family, the people that I, I love, my brothers that are close to me. My kids were in, a, in an amazing school. We pulled them out of that school, and we were like, that was a heartbreaker for us. Pulled them out. Our kids, I mean, Jonathan, old enough, he paid a price <coughs> to go to the mission. Jimmy paid a price to... For, because of our obedience, they paid a price. Mm -hmm. And we left everything. But what happened was everything was up here with the Lord. And it brought it in right perspective. And now the Lord has brought back to us so much more than what we left. He's brought us back. He's extended our family. We didn't lose family. We've gained family. We didn't lose Finances we've gained. We, we were working for the people and now we've got our own thing. Like we've, Everything we laid down for the Lord has come back, but it's come back in its proper place. 
What's it look like if God's the center of your life? He's your closest friend. He's your provider. No job you currently have or will have will ever, ever be more than a tool of provision. That he, is, that he is your provider. Is God your provider or is that job your provider? Is the question. That's ultimately what's happening. I get phone calls. Hey, you know, please pray for me about my work. You don't need prayer for your work. You need to repent. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Prayer for your work is not going to help you right now. God has to become first place. And what's really happening with believers all around the world is they're getting a gut check. Are you actually, have you left your Zebedee? Have you put down your nets to follow Jesus? It's Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom. And all these things will be added to you. Making Jesus first in your life, Solinaptin means he's your healer. I'm in the medical field. I do medical devices of all kinds. That's my business. That's what I do. But those are tools to work on people. None of those things are the source of healing. Not one of them. He is the source. Putting it all in proper perspective. What about this? He is your deliverer. We're deliverance people. We believe in casting out demons. We, we're, we're, I am for it. Like, we have no problem with that. That's not something we're conservative on it. We don't hide it. We don't put the Holy in a closet somewhere. Like, we do this stuff. And we practice it. But God is the one who manifests himself. And the entire atonement of the cross comes to bring deliverance to a person. God is ultimately your deliverer. You can't lean on a thing. It's him. Use the tools. If God leads you to use tools. But he is the one that will take you to your next place. He will take you and bring freedom to your life. We have to build our life around the presence. I want to just encourage you. Don't wait till the end of your day to spend time in the Bible. Don't wait till the end of the day to spend time in the Word. Do it at the front end of the day. There's a value in giving your first fruits. Bringing your first fruits. The beginnings of your day. Those first fruits are, are meaningful to the Lord. It's surrendering to God. When you tithe, give, tithe the first fruit, what's on the top. It's, for in our household, it's a non-negotiable. It's just, we've, it's the way we, we were raised, and it's what we've learned and what we've seen God do. The reason our business went, off, went to another level is because immediately when Kayla started, we started tithing from our business. We, when we first started, we always, we just, we'd take our ink, we would let the business run as an LLC, as an entity. We would take, <clears throat> take our salary or our draw from it, and then we would tithe off of that. That's the way we did it. But I was like, man, I don't know. I was looking at our at the business. I thought, man, I don't know if we can we can tithe just from the business itself as its own entity. And I was like, I, don't, I just don't know. Like it looks like it's, it would be really difficult. It could be really tight to do that. And I thought, you know, this is what we preach. We do it ourselves personally. Let's do it with that. Let's see what happens. We did it with that. And in four months, we have we've never had a quarter. Like this past quarter in our entire, our, since I've been working with that group for like three years, it's never happened. But when we took off the top, not worrying about how things are going to work out in the bottom, we took it off the top, God went, shh. That business, we couldn't get to the next level. We wanted it to. I busted my butt and I worked hard trying to get to the next level and I couldn't do it. But when we made, put God first there, Kayla, not only did she take it in like civil, she did it in about half the time. What I was doing in five, six days a week, she's doing like three days a week. And it went to another level while it happened. 
That's what happens when you put God first. Do that in every area. You know, for whoever needs that, it, it works in your tithe. Do it. You'll see God. You'll see the hand of the Lord show up in a supernatural way. Like it is, it's a powerful thing when He becomes first. Get everything centered on God. I was praying and I was thinking, Lord, we're about to meet our soul goal. You know, we're at 97. We, we set out to do 100 this year. And we would have met it a lot sooner except we slacked through the summer. You know, at the beginning of the year, we shut out and we got like, in the first quarter, we had almost half of it done. In the summer, we got a good bit more. And then in this last part, we've kind of we've caught up some. But the whole summer, I mean, Q, Q2, we were, our, our soul count was pretty low. Like we just, we were kind of sucking it, sucking it up pretty good. So I'm like, man, we gotta, we gotta go to another level. And the Lord just kept saying, 1,000, 1,000. I'm like, God, I, how can I? We, we can't go in. How are we gonna go in 1,000 with the Lord? We can. I was like, Lord, how can I? I, I know that, like, Lord, I know these people. You've got things going on. How are we gonna go in 1,000 people, Lord? Like, I know these, like, Lord, I know these people. You know? <laughs> They've got things going on right now in life. And uh, it may be tough to motivate to get a thousand people. And Lord corrected me so much. Mm. I was like, God, how can I tell them? And he says, this is the only way I can crash into their world. If they will put me first. It's the only way I can touch those problems that they're having. If they don't put me first, I can't do it. I'm like, Lord, that's a thousand people. I believe it's, this is awesome. Do the best. Like, we've got a hundred, so, or, or 97, so I think we've got to get 900 in three months, it's a quarter, so 300 months, you know, about 30 people, 10 people a day for each person. Like, I'm kind of working out how I can practically make this happen. I'm like, Lord, how can we, it's like, and the Lord's fixing our heart and says, if you, this is the only way I can touch the problem. Like, we have the problem, right? We know what the issue is. Because they all, it's across the room. Everyone has their own thing that they're dealing with. But God's saying, that's how I'm going to touch it. I need them to, to leave their Zebedee. I need them to leave their fishing net. I need them to get their eyes on me. And if they will sell out to me to leave everything to to pull down those images, to pull down those things so that they can follow me, that is when I can do it. That's when I can show up with their life. That's when I can touch the problem. The problem is there because we're not sold out to the Lord yet. Some, there's still somebody there. There's still something. It doesn't mean that we don't have, that there aren't errors or that people don't have things to fix, but it does mean that there is something there that doesn't need to be there. And God needs us to leave that seventy. He desires to touch us. That family did it. I mean, they had a Bible story happen right in front of our eyes, tearing down their idols, one after another after another. That father, we laid hands on him. He prays, and he he had a supernatural encounter with God, and he checked out. With God, and it was really uh, biblically it would be a trance, you know. Like he was, he was gone. He was with us, but he was with the Lord. Just, whew, up with God, and we're praying, ministering to people. And I've got it on video. When he when he came back, I said, uh, "Hey man, tell us what's going on, what's happening." And he says it was so beautiful. I saw, I saw. He was describing the table of the Lord. And he was just describing this heaven encounter that he had. 
What happened? Someone tore down their idols. When you tear down your idols, you make room for God. He made so, when he made room in his house, he made room in his heart. He made so much room for God. When we said, fill him, God filled this guy up and he was out of here. And we're like all jealous of this encounter with God. Like, Whoa, this guy. He came back. And he, I mean, you, I, I, I'll, I'll, let me finish the video. I'll send it to y'all. His face is glowing. I mean, this guy was a beaming salvation and just was embracing his family. I mean, you've never seen someone get possessed by love. That's the exchange. I, many times we, we won't sacrifice the idol or pull down the idol because we think that we're at loss. But if you'll realize that there's an exchange that happens, there's no idol that you'll hold on to. There, if, you, if you, I can't imagine what he must have been thinking pulling down those things in his house. But there was an exchange that took place for him. And he encountered God, like the living God of the Bible. Like he, God hit him and touched him. If you'll realize on the other side of the exchange, there is an entire new life with God. Not an improved life, but a completely new life. We get serious about that because we know better, because we've been taught better here. That we don't do images, we don't do witches, we don't do ghouls, goblins, all that stuff. We don't, we don't do that come Halloween. We don't do that anytime, but we particularly don't do it around those days, you know. We don't participate in that. We get serious about that because we're like, yeah, we would never do that. We don't have no witch in my house. But we keep so many other idols. And there's a spirit behind every one of them. They just look differently. It's not wearing the witch hat. We see the witch hat, like, no way! got your Zebedee. That's why we're not supposed to, people were never meant to be, to be worshipped. It's not in them. We're not, that's why, what happens to celebrities, and we've all seen what happens to celebrities, they, they're fine, and they get into Hollywood, and all of a sudden, they start getting worshipped and idolized, and it messes them up. It destroys their heart. They were never meant, it was never meant to happen like that. Mm-hmm. Now, scrolling through my my Facebook, you know, I'm doing videos, and this, like, Justin Bieber thing came up, and he's, like, you know, wearing his skinny jeans and, like, shirtless, singing with his back hat, and, you know, and he's got his, like, physique, and these girls are, like, screaming, like, I'm like, wow, this is, this is, this is wild, and the girls are screaming, you know, Justin Bieber, and, uh, men were never meant to be worshipped, women were never, they were never meant to be worshipped. It happened in the, in the book of Acts, one of the kings. And they said, the voice of a god and not a man. And he didn't give the glory to God. The Bible says that. He was it didn't, it didn't go well. Let's keep going. Um, a thousand souls for Jesus. I feel it so strong in my spirit. I feel it like, like Rancho Libre. When I, when I was, Lord was speaking to me, we got to get land, we got to get land right now. Make this phone call. I made a phone call and the person opened up the door and now it's happening Things start moving forward. That's how I feel about it. It will require something supernatural to see if other people say it. requires selling out. It requires everyone selling out. Completely selling out to Jesus. Pulling down those idols. The, the anointing that we're a part of in, in Kaleo is, is at its heart a missions organization. And it's led by mostly evangelists. 
They're mostly evangelists at heart. People that have a desire to share, share the gospel and to win the loss. To see the sick healed, see people delivered. Whole bit. That's the anointing of the house. That's, you know, that's, that's, that's my, my grace that, that I move in. And I see people say, I'm a, I'm a skilled soul winner. I'm, I'm not boasting. That's, that's who I am. I know who I am. And I can lead people to Jesus. And I can see people healed. If you'll send your kids with me, your kids will see people healed. Jonathan and Nicole saw people healed just at the park. Uh, one, two, three, four, like five different people got healed of knee pain uh, two Sundays ago at the park with Jonathan and Nicole praying. And Anne. If you'll align with it, you'll see the anointing move in your life. Psalm 133, it describes the blessing of the Lord on unity. There is a function here. You may think, oh, I'm not an evangelist. How can I be a part of leading people to Jesus? There's a function here. This is the way it works. You don't have to be. And it's not, it's not meant for you to all be. Psalm 133 says, how, Behold how, how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like precious oil upon the head coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard coming down on the edge of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life, Forevermore. So the anointing runs on the head. And so you can really measure how unified you are by how much of the anointing is flowing in your life. When you, if you hang around here and you get involved and you participate, the anointing that's on Kaleo, that's on Josh and Olivia's life, that's on the team of, of Kaleo, the ministry, flows into this ministry. And the anointing that flows under this ministry and that flows into, into Kaleo's life flows into the people to the degree that you're aligned with it. That means if you want to see the anointing, you have to join the vision. You have to become a part of the vision because the anointing flows on that vision. The anointing doesn't flow on something else because that's not our assignment. We, we buy food for the poor regularly, but we're not a food distribution ministry. That's not our gift. There are people who are anointed and empowered by the Spirit of God to do those things. There are other ministries that are empowered and anointed to give clothes to the poor or to take care of widows or help young pregnant mothers. Like, there are anointings and graces that flow in all different kinds of ministry. The anointing on this one is soul winning and healing the sick. We see people healed so often. We, we, see, we see so much provision and, and, and the blessing of the Lord. We get, honestly, we get embarrassed. We don't share everything. We share a lot, but we don't share everything. It, it, honestly, and we have more stuff to work on us, but sometimes we get embarrassed. Like, oh my gosh, do you know this happened? Should we test out of this? And it's like, it, it feels kind of weird sometimes. This should be flowing in every single one of your lives. I was so pleased when Erica came she joined up, and God began to bless her. She got a job. She got a raise. Things working. Got another raise. <laughs> like, she just, all she did was show up in a line. Take whatever part she did, and she would, she would tithe, and she would sew, and she would pray. What, what are y'all doing? I want to be a part. I'm going to serve. I'm gonna, like, she just came, and it hit her life. And it's supposed to hit everyone's life. Every single one of us. How do you win a thousand people to the Lord? All you got to do is align. Say, God, I want to be a part. What do I do? I want to be a part. For Ann walking down the street that day, looking for the lady, we were praying at that person's house. I said, hey, Ann, you got this. Just put your hand here. And Ann put her hand on the lady's knee, pulled it away, and she walked away healed that day. 
It just took a willing vessel. That's the grace. How we see a thousand people healed is saying, yes, Lord. It's making him first. So Matthew 6, 33, it's to seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added to you. He wants first place. Why would, they, why would the Lord impress a goal that seems so high? Because he needs everyone with him in first place. It's not about, oh, this is Adrian's project. No, God wants to touch your life and he wants to bring a resolution to those problems that we're dealing with. He wants to bring a resolution to those issues that we're fighting, the things that we don't know about, the things that we're, we're trying to get victory in. He wants to bring us victory, but it has to be with him in first place. If he's not in first place, there's no victory that's going to come. We can keep a good confession. We can do the church thing. We can, we can, everyone can put on the face, the church face, and we can do it, but you will not have personal victory until he becomes number one. He must be number one. Every other house church house in the city will look different. Their, their expression will look different. Ours looks like soul winning and leading people to Jesus. We could be focused on building a building. We're not. We're focused on leading people to Jesus. We are focused on healing the sick. We're focused on getting people delivered. That is what we can do. And if, if you will align with it, why do you align? It's because you have a vision for impact. It's what God's going to do. You know, with, with Rancho Libre, when we were believing for it, the way I call people is, come join this. This is what God's going to do. And the truth is, God's going to do it with or without you. He will do it with or without you. Because he wants, he wants to see this in the earth. He wants it. I'm going to let someone else speak. Let's do good news. I'm going to let someone else share. I'm going to let someone else share today. Bring your good news. Look at Audrey. She brings her good news every time. We're here. We're here to praise the Lord today. That's my good news. That's, follow that example. What has the Lord done for you? I'm going to let someone else share. What? No. I want to kick people off the stage. We have too many, too many people to share. Share what the Lord has done in your life. He blessed me. He gave me a raise. He, he kept me going. I, I was going to give up, but I didn't give up. I wasn't going to be here, but praise God, I made it here. I was not going to do this, and here I am. Find something to give thanks for. Find something to be a part of. Seeing the Lord do this, it, it's going to be huge. I, you know, I refuse to believe that the biggest testimonies of 2021 have already happened. I, I oppose that way of thinking. The biggest things that God wants to do in 2021 have not taken place yet. We've seen, and during our mission team with, with the Kaleo team when they were here, we had eight people that we prayed for with one leg shorter than the other, and we had eight people all get healed. That's a lot of miracles. We had 30-something people get healed on one, uh, get, yeah, get healed on one Friday. Remember that Friday? A supernatural Friday of, of healings and salvations all day long. But the greatest miracles and the greatest healings and the greatest deliverances and the greatest stories have not happened yet. They're still to come. I believe it's going to happen in this 1,000. I think the greatest salvation story of the year isn't going to be the, the, the clown sent the Morte. I believe that the greatest book of Acts story isn't going to be that family who all got, got saved, healed, delivered, filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in water. That'll be number two. <laughs> I'm looking for number one. 
God has something so much bigger. He wants something so much bigger, but it only comes when He is first in our life. It has to make a shift for us. Galatians 6, 8, it says that if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. What I'm talking about is shifting gears, and you can't go wrong sowing to the Spirit. Sowing to the Spirit looks like different things. When leaving a Zebedee, for Jesus is sowing to the Spirit. Many times we want God to tear down our idols, but that is completely not biblical. God, take this from me. Let me tell you, that's a stupid prayer to pray. Don't do that. You shouldn't say take, 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 take. That's not the way to do it. It's, in fact, it's just dangerous. Don't do it. God said, you go tear down your idols. Don't say, take it from me. That's not the way to go. God never, there's no biblical precedent for that. You go. You say, God, I will pull this down. You know, when you say, God, take it from me, it's no longer an offering. In fact, you can't pray, take it from me, and there not be a little bit of fear. It's, a, it's an open door. It's why we don't pray. I give this to you. I have my will, my own ambition Say, take it from me, God. Just close the door. That's what we pray. Close the door and open the door. Close the door and open the door. It's all God's sovereignly opening and closing. Can he do that? Yeah. When, when, you're, when you're a little child, yeah, we open and close doors for our kids. But there comes a point where you open and close doors yourself and you make good choices or bad choices. You have good consequences or bad consequences. Offer to God worship. Make them first in your life. You won't be disappointed. It's sowing to the Spirit. You will reap eternal life. It's getting oil. Isaiah chapter 55. I think it's going to be our last verse. Yeah. Isaiah 55. 1. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Buying without money. Come buy wine and milk. Without money and without cost. Verse 2. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? He's saying you're spending your life on something that will not fill you. That's the story of the woman in the well. She said, Jesus tells her, hey, you can have some water, but uh, you're going to be thirsty again. You will not be satisfied. And so the, the call Isaiah the prophet's making is come be satisfied by Jesus. Come be satisfied by God. Come to the table of the Lord. Sow to me, and you're going to reap back. There's water that I'm going to give you, and it's going to fill your spirit. Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear, and come to me. Listen that you may live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, according to the faithful mercies shown to David. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again, and from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Over a treasure. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. I love, uh, I like guitars. And uh, 
you know, I've got a Martin. I, I bought it when I was in college, and uh, I didn't have any money. I bought it on a credit card. I was probably like 22 or something like that. <laughs> it's, it's really old. It's been all over the it's, it's been all over the planet. It's been, it's been the Philippines and Costa everywhere, Africa. I like guitars, and the Bible says the kingdom of God is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. Just like if I found that one guitar, like, oh, look at that. And then I go back and say, hey guys, I love you, but we're selling the house. <laughs> we're selling the cars. We're selling our things. We're selling everything to buy that one guitar. That's what it says here. It says the kingdom of God is like that. There was a man who was a merchant seeking fine pearls. And over finding the one pearl, the one thing that brought him life, he said, I will, I gotta, I gotta put the house for sale. I gotta put, the, the, the dog's gotta go. Can we get something for the dog? Maybe not that one. Can we get something for this dog? Yeah, let's, let's see what can, what can we do? We got some old bikes. Let's get something for the bikes. Let's sell everything. Sorry, kids. You, I know you like those bunk beds, but they gotta go. I know you like the iPad. The iPad's gotta go. Everything goes. Why? Because we found a pearl. He says, that's the way you take hold of the kingdom. You let go of everything. Put in Jesus first in your life. I have a challenge for you today. And it's, it's to make him Lord. I think that most of us probably when we got saved, we didn't, we didn't leave much to follow him. It cost us very little. In Afghanistan right now, people are baptized. They, they have a saying. It's extremely dangerous. Their Christians are being hunted. But they get in, in the water and they're being baptized. And there's, there's a saying they're saying at, at their baptism. All of my living and all of my dying is all for you, Jesus. Because the moment they choose to say yes to God, they are not pledging to live for God. They are pledging to die for Him. And it produces a different believer. Mm -hmm. It produces a different person. We watched that documentary about that church in China. It hit a ground, hidden underground seminary, 20-something flights up hidden in a building. And the people were hidden away, praying, seeking God together. It wasn't a fancy worship team. It was a little clunker, Yamaha piano. Singing little hymn songs, beautiful to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So most of these people, they'll graduate and they'll all buy one-way tickets into the Middle East. Yeah. Our Christianity is not on the same level. No. Let's stand. Let's stand. We can't help that we're in El Paso, Texas. We're not in Afghanistan right now. But I want you to ask the Lord to show you what you need, what your Zebedee is, what you need to lay down for Him. He wants you to follow Him. And the answer to the problems that, that you're having, the answer to those that really difficult situation you're facing, it's found in following Jesus. That Matthew was a crooked tax collector. Thomas was was doubting and full of unbelief. It's in following Jesus.
Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just ask you, we invite your Holy Spirit to come. If you want to pray this, I'm going to lead you in a prayer so we can deal with idols, because so, we, we want to be done with them. We want them gone out of our life. But if you want to pray this, you can. I'll leave God. Say, Father, Father, I want to serve you with all of my heart. I don't want to follow any other gods. I only want to follow you. I want you to be first in my life. Show me. Show me. If I have any idols I need to tear down. If I have any idols I need to tear down. If you have something, just say, Father, I give this to you. I give this to you. I surrender this to you. I surrender this to you. Be Lord of my life. Be Lord of my life. I leave my boat. I leave my boat. I leave my nets. I leave my nets. I leave my Zebedee. I leave my Zebedee. To follow you. To follow you. Guys, I want to tell you that if you'll continue all forward with that, there's problems that you're dealing with are no problems. And he'll he'll bring an answer.